0: Here's one of three reasons God wants victims of abuse to cry out on this episode of Between the Lines. Well, as you know, the title of my podcast is Between the Lines. It's not a terribly original title. It's not a terribly fun or cute title. But the reason behind the title is simply this. I wanted to create an opportunity for me to express things that are on my mind and heart... That perhaps as a preacher didn't get to fit into my sermon basically due to time, or perhaps I'm preaching on a very weighty or very important topic, but I only have one week to do it. And so what I would like to do is to take advantage of this opportunity to explain to you some things that are between the lines insofar as a sermon that I preached on March 24th, 2019. Now, you need to know that back in February, uh, I'm one of nine elders at Grace Fellowship Church, and back in February at an elders meeting, we were discussing the issue of abuse and abuse in the church, all the scandals that we keep hearing about and reading about uh, in uh, really not only in the church, but just in our world and in our day and age. It seems to dominate the headlines and dominate the news media these days, and that's because of a variety of reasons. But After that elders' meeting, uh, I was asked to put together a sermon to preach on March the 24th on abuse. That's really it. Uh, Just preach on abuse. Uh, So the approach that I chose to take was to preach about how I believe Christians should uh, respond to abuse, respond to allegations of abuse, respond to somebody crying out, etc., etc. And so I did my very best to study and to preach uh, along those lines, and you can hear that sermon at graceky.org forward slash sermons, and just uh, search under speaker. You could search for my name, Peter Larufa, or just scroll down to the March 24th sermon, and you will see uh, a sermon entitled, "'How Christians, or How Should Christians Respond to Abuse?' And so what I want to do is I want to take this opportunity to talk through the different points that I made during that sermon and uh, to provide some clarification, uh, because I've had the opportunity now to speak with different people who ask for further application, who ask questions about different texts, all great questions, really. And I've enjoyed being able to do that because there are things like, oh, I really wanted to include that in my sermon, but it had to hit the chopping block, mostly due to time. So what I'm going to do right now is, uh, we'll see how long this podcast goes, but my intention is to just quickly, briefly review the main points of the sermon, and then maybe go into a little detail on each of them, perhaps in subsequent podcast episodes. Uh, the first point that I made was this, Christians should know that hope and help for both the offender and the abused starts with a cry, namely that God wants victims of abuse to cry out. He wants it so much that he even states it in Deuteronomy chapter 22 and is willing to punish somebody for not crying out. And if you read in Deuteronomy 22, verse 22, it says uh, this. Uh, actually, let me... S- yeah, verse 20, Deuteronomy 22, verse 22. If a man is found lying with the wife of another man, both of them shall die, the man who lay with the woman and the woman. So you shall purge the evil from Israel. Now, verse 23 says this, if there is a betrothed virgin and a man meets her in the city and lies with her, then you shall bring them both out to the gate of that city and you shall stone them to death with stones. The young woman, because she did not cry for help, though she was in the city, and the man, because he violated his neighbor's wife now it's important for us to realize uh, two things here one God's hatred for sin and uh, his desire to purge the evil from among the midst of his people um, but there's the the reason that they're punished at least in verse 23, is rather different. In verse 22, it's uh, classic uh, adultery or fornication. Uh, Both of them shall be punished because of their sin. But in verse 23, it's uh, a little different. Uh, The man is guilty for what he did, the sexual act. He is punished for what he did in having sex with the woman that was not his wife, and was someone else's wife as a betrothed virgin. But God's word in this particular verse doesn't primarily call our attention to the woman's role in the act. There seems to be consideration given to the fact that she very well may have been victimized by the man, and so the question isn't what she did in having sex with him, but what she actually did not do. She did not cry out for help. And it was assumed that if she did cry for help, she would have received the help of those within earshot in the city. So why does God's Word call this, atten- to this to our attention? Why does He call our attention to the cry or the lack of cry? And that leads me to the point that I just referenced before. Christians should know that hope and help for both the offender and the abused starts with a cry. And then I gave three reasons God wants victims to cry out. The first reason was crying out allows victims the opportunity to not live as desolate People and uh, I reference Second Samuel 13, uh, the story between Amnon and Tamar. Amnon rapes Tamar, and uh, later on, her brother finds Tamar and says, uh, This is uh, where are we? 2 Samuel 13, verse 20. Absalom says to Tamar, Has Amnon your brother been with you? Now hold your peace, my sister. In other words, be quiet, say nothing. He is your brother. Do not take this to heart. And then the Word of God says this, So Tamar lived a desolate woman in her brother Absalom's house. Why? Because she did not cry out. The Hebrew word for desolate is shalmeim. That's the official mispronunciation of the Hebrew, by the way, which means deflowered, deserted, appalled, even stunned. That same Hebrew word used elsewhere is translated in our English Bibles as astonished, wasted, or destroyed. And God's word seems to put the effects of sexual sin in a bit of a different category than he does other sins. Granted all sins offend him, all sins are uh, uh an act of our rebellion against a holy and righteous God, But he does tend to put, the, uh, in my opinion, the effects of sexual sin in a bit of a different category. For example, 1 Corinthians 6 and verse 18, the Apostle Paul writes that every other sin a person commits is outside the body, but the sexually immoral person sins against his own body. And in cases of sexual abuse, an offender commits sins against his own body, certainly against the Lord, and also against the body of another. Even though Tamar did no wrong because she was silenced, because she was not heard, and because she was not helped, she lived a desolate life. So basically, my point is this. Nothing good, nothing good comes from a victim of abuse staying silent nothing. And if you don't want to hear victims make their plight known, you need to know that your attitude towards sexual assault is altogether diametrically opposed from God's attitude. In Deuteronomy 22, once again, God so badly wants to purge evil from the midst of his people, he's saying, even if a sin of this nature is committed in a way that can't be found out, even in the bedroom of a predator prince like Amnon, I still want it found out, so that woman needs to cry." And crying out allows the victim to be loved, to be helped, and to receive compassion, to have wounds bound up and for scars to heal. Crying out allows the victim to walk into the light, not as one who confesses her own or his own sin, but as one who has been sinned against and says, this happened to me, and to be ministered to instead of tempted or resulting in living a desolate life. God is not a God of silence. He speaks, and he desires that his people do the same. And so that's one of the reasons that I believe uh, Christians should know uh, that hope and help for both the offender and the abused starts with a cry, and that God wants victims to cry out. So what I just explained to you briefly, very briefly, was how that brings hope and help for the abused, how the person who has been victimized by the sin of another person is helped by crying out and is not going to live, hopefully, we would pray, would provide the opportunity to not live uh, what the Bible refers to as a desolate life. And so I hope you'll track with me, and I hope you'll tune in again as I seek to continue to build uh, following episodes uh, to provide some more explanation and even some added application, stuff that I didn't get the chance to speak on in my sermon uh, on this important issue. So may God bless you, and hope to see you again soon.